Welcome to The Room, where we talk about the hard parts of leadership that every great leader goes through, but no one wants to talk about. I'm Jenny Dufresne, host of The Room podcast and CEO of Leaders Transform, a business growth training firm. I am a global leader, former United States Marine, international best-selling author, community, and business leader. The Room is your safe space. We'll talk about the things that are difficult for leaders, the tough stuff that leaders aren't willing to be vulnerable about, but we really need to. So come on in, close the door, join me in the room. I know leaders and I know leadership. Welcome back to the room where leaders talk about the things that we don't often want to talk about. I am super duper excited to welcome Kimberly Perry today. Uh, She is a lifestylist, which we'll talk a little about what that is. Uh, She's a former adjunct professor, uh, an online instructor, uh, an amazing coach uh, with through different modalities. So I'm really super excited to chat with her today about leadership, a lot about leadership, uh, and a lot about what happens when we assume models of leadership that may not be for us. So with that, Kimberly, do you is there anything that you want to just share as we as we kind of get going um, and 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 start out a little chat here today? I think that was a great introduction. First, I am so excited to be here. I love what you are doing with this podcast. It's Thank something you. that I want to share with other leaders, especially female leaders that I know who are talking and having the conversations that you're having about Excellent. the struggles in leadership. And I love that you're bringing that to the forefront and creating a discussion around that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm excited and I'm excited to have you here today. And for, for a bit, I've been kind of doing this by myself and I finally decided it was time for me to, to invite other people to the conversation. So I'm really glad to, glad to have you. Um, so one of the things that, uh, that maybe I made this title for you is a coach to high achievers, right? So part of the work that you do through your coaching lens, which is if, if I think that this is correct, out of your work as an adjunct professor and working for many years in um, in, in higher ed, that um, you start to understand some things about leadership, which we'll we'll talk a little bit more in your personal story. But one of the things that uh, that I think we both have in common is this exploration of the distinction between the the, the form of leadership that many of us have been trained, raised encouraged, cajoled to be under. So can you start to unpack that a little bit? What is what is that model of leadership and what do you see in it as you as you both work with your clients but also in your professional career? Yes. Uh what I have found is we often talk about business like a jungle, right? Welcome to the jungle. It's a jungle out there. It's a dog eat dog world, right? We use these terms that refer to leadership in a very competitive, authoritative, dominance-driven environment. And I think, you know, as you said, I taught in academia for a long time. Academia is a very cerebral, intellectual um, model that way. There's a lot of ego in it, um, not necessarily prideful, but it can be right Right. (laughs) Um, with degrees and certifications and having authority, right. And that leadership model. And it's a very, if you look at the jungle, if you look at 
I, I especially love lions and lionesses, right? Looking at a pride and how it operates, the masculine energy, you know, not talking about gender per se, but the masculine energy is very dominant, aggressive, competitive model. And that's been the standard model that most of us are used to, right? Climbing the ladder, um, mm-hmm. which often has that illusion of like climbing up over other people, right? Climbing Correct. to the top. Mm-hmm. Um But when you look at the feminine, when you look at lionesses in the wild and how they hunt, they hunt in groups. It's not an individual thing. It's not a competitive thing. Um, And it's not necessarily aggressive. It's more intuitive, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, They can't communicate. They can't make noise. But there is stealth and there is precision. Um, There is collaboration that comes, you know, a lot of people ask, you know, why do women always go to the bathroom? Well, you know, in packs, why do we always go together? Because it's a natural way to be, Mm -hmm. right? And so, yes, and to have support, and to recognize that there is strength and support and that it's for the good of the pride, right? It's for the good of the whole. It's not just individual progression. And so, especially I know in your podcast, you've talked about some of the changes and shifts that we're seeing post-pandemic. Yes. Um, when you look at the research, when you look at what um, is being talked about in terms of employee engagement, uh, you know, the... Um, you know, all, all the things that are happening with, uh, you know, people quitting and silent quitting and all the things mm-hmm. it's because there's a need that's not being met by the current model. Um, incentives aren't working anymore, incentivizing right. the workplace, um, changing the work environment or, uh, you know, adding new competitive models are draining people. It's not inspiring them. But when you look at the research, what do people want? They want collaboration. They want mentorship. They want personal development more Mm -hmm. than, you know, uh, yes, career development also, but it's more about this development and people aren't climbing ladders anymore. They're climbing rock walls. Right, right. You know, it's moving outside of a company and moving with different people. And that's a more feminine model of leadership that people are calling for. And uh, it's a more natural place for some of us to be. The competitive model for me burned me out personally. And so, and we'll 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 actually we'll chat about that in a few. So I love the uh, I love the the um, the 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 way you're describing the lioness and the li- the lioness as a pack and the lion as a solo you know, uh, as a, as a solo operator. And I, so as most folks know, I spent 10 years in the United States Marine Corps. And one of the things about that form of leadership, it was 100% masculine focused, right? It was command and control style of leadership, meaning from the top down. But, and this is, again, I don't think it's changed that much. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. uh, but this is the time when I served and what I think you're highlighting is the masculine structure, which is, you know, you gave the imagery of climbing the ladder. It is not only climbing over people, but it's also climbing by yourself. Yes. Right. And so that is completely contrary to this other idea of being in collaboration, being in community uh, and working together towards an objective or a goal, which is described, you know, I think is much, much more aligned with, with a feminine, feminine energized leadership, if you will. What, so 
Kimberly, I'm curious, what what are other indicators? So if you were to walk into a company and you're getting ready to, let's say, do, you know, a, a, a speaking, you you speak a lot and you're you're walking into a company and you, you know, you look around, you see the things on the wall and the feel. How do you know that you're in a company that the culture is really focused on this uh, masculine inner form of energy or masculine form of leadership? Like, how do you know that walking into a, into an organization? Uh, one of the biggest telltale signs, it isn't necessarily what's on the wall. Um, I am also a personal stylist. And so there's things that come into play with color and design choice and things um, that are on the wall, the phrasing that's put on there, as you know, you know, in the Marines, mm-hmm. my dad was an, an Air Force career man, you know, so aim high and, right, and all right. those different things, right? Um, but it's the engagement with the people when you walk into a room and you see how the employees are seated, um, the design and structure of the office of you know, whether uh, employees, how, how employees communicate with each other or not. Um, masculine driven environments tend to be very isolated uh, in the way the cubicles are lined up, in the way that the offices are structured, uh, in in the way a meeting is received. You know, if, if you walk mm-hmm. in and you're invited to sit in a corporate meeting and, you know, usually a speaker goes near the end of the meeting or right. is introduced first and um, you, you know, there, there are things to be said, we need to be efficient, we need to have agendas sure. and things like that. Um, but it's very object oriented. Right. Uh, you know, here is the agenda, here is the in, instructions, um, very task oriented, rather than inviting a discussion. Um, and it doesn't need to be lengthy, but just inviting different employees to report. Mm-hmm. on their field, okay, yes. you know, who who right. commands the room and how much right. time they command in the room, right? Tells you a lot about how a team functions. If you have a leader who trusts their team and invites feedback and collaboration from their team, it's seen throughout the meeting and it actually is more efficient, right? More people speak in a shorter amount of time. So this is fantastic. So what's what's interesting to me is, and it it, it just is a aha, like of course, is that the environment itself speaks to the leadership ethos of an organization. So to your point, um, you know the the furniture, the furniture choices, even right, mm-hmm. the art choices, yeah. the so all of those can speak to and and psychically or psychologically. Mm-hmm shift our energy because we're all energy, right? We're all people. Yes. We vibe off of energy. We, we, right. And so that alone can, sh- can shift or impact the way that we, way that we see that we can show up. And I think this is very important for women, um, as well as men who may or may not have that form of leadership. So I think of people you know, maybe indigenous people who come from indigenous communities are yes. more focused on community connection, relationship, which is, I think, yes. the part that you were saying. Relationships is, is very important, and then when coming and and that take the the sort of primacy over 
you know, let's get this done. And time is still important. Yes. And I think that's a, that's a huge thing that people are, you know, always worried about, well, if we spend time, you know, building relationships, we won't get, we won't get the meeting done. Yeah, that's not If I let people talk. Right. If I let people talk. Right. (laughs) Um, So here's a tension though. In the way that everyone has been groomed and socialized around women in in leadership roles, either formally or informally, is that women get the message that if you are, if you create an environment of collaboration or you create an environment where you are more emotive, you're more emotionally present, you're actually a bad leader. You're not a good leader. So what do you say to folks that are like, look, we we need to keep this masculine focused, task oriented. We we've got to keep that because, you know, and especially if this is a woman you're talking to, because if if you're doing that, people are going to think you're weak. They're not going to think that you can command a room. So how do you how do you navigate that that tension? It it is difficult because it is a, you know, for lack of a better term, it is a mindset shift. You know, it, we've got to view things differently in order to do that. Um, and I will also say that it should not be surprising in an organization if you're trying to shift culture or change culture. Um, you know, if you look at nature, the masculine does not adapt well, uh, masculine energy, feminine does. Women have Very been true. adapting to male models Mm -hmm. of leadership for a long time. Like if you look, you know, during the ERA and especially in the eighties talking about fashion, right. Mm -hmm. Women were asserting themselves in the workplace, but we did it in double breasted suits with big shoulder pads and masculine shoes, right? Like we, we adapted to a masculine image to gain credibility and assert ourselves Mm -hmm. into that environment. The feminine does adapt differently and the masculine kind of, you know, dies on the stick. Right. right. It's like it's all or nothing. Heart, you know, like <laughs> right. never surrender, never say die. Right. So it's not surprising to experience some resistance to that mm-hmm. and to expect that is natural and not combative. Um, but I think as women, especially, you know, talking about women leaders, I love that you brought up um, indigenous people. I think that this discussion, when we talk about feminine models of leadership and inviting conversation and inviting discourse and dialogue, I am hoping that it will open doors in the DEI space with, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, inclusion. Um, yeah. because there are so many voices Mm-hmm. right um that will bring strength and that will bring vitality i think to uh y- you know to a global workforce that needs vitality right now um but you know in, in seeing that in seeing where people say you know we can't leave that because of fear or whatever i think we need to redefine strength um and again looking at a lioness i i mean they they are faster right. That's By the right. way, you know, if, yeah. if you do the research, um, lionesses are actually better hunters, not mm-hmm. because of this physical strength, like a lion is bigger and a lion may be stronger, but the lionesses are actually better hunters. Um, and a company, you know, a, a lot of times uh, business leaders will talk about, you know, I want to leave a legacy and I want to leave all these things. And they, and they think in terms of the structure of a company. Well, your legacy is left in your people. In your people, absolutely. Yeah, if your people don't have the vision of 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 what the intent and the purpose and the mission of the company is, it will die. Mm-hmm. Anything, you know, if we learn from evolution, anything that doesn't evolve will become extinct. 
right? So strength really is in adaptability. Um, the Romans actually got this, right? Because they would go in, they would conquer a people, but they would conquer them by assimilation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They would adapt um, and pick up the strengths of the culture. They recognized that. They recognized that the strength wasn't in defeating and overcoming. It was in adapting and bringing to. Now, granted, there were, you know, right, it, it's not issues. like it was a perfect society. There are a few right? other issues with that. <laughs> yes. Yes. But there, but when you have that buy-in, I, I know you did a, an episode recently about buy-in, the need that leaders have for buy-in. When your people feel heard, and they feel validated when they feel that their talents and their efforts are appreciated, which happens when we give them a voice and when we right. trust them to do their job and don't micromanage, right. right? There is loyalty and retention and all these things that people say that they want, right? right? That That's the strength and longevity and long-term benefits. And I, I will say women are a strong force to be reckoned with, not because they domineer, but because they stand in the confidence of who they are. You know, I mean, and I would love, and I would love greatest female leaders. Right. right? And I would love that, that more, I would love for it to be the case that in conversations like this, I think are really important because I would love for it to be the case that more women understood their true power. And I say power, not as hard power, but soft power and soft power being through collaboration, through bridge building, through, you know, I even look in our political structures, like there's, there's a group of, of women who have actually built bridges back and forth across and got stuff done that doesn't get, you know, splashed in the headlines, but they were very instrumental in getting some real sticky, challenging issues accomplished without like, you know, leaving people beheaded, you know? So I think that it it is really important. I, I love when you talk about legacies and you know, because it reminds me how how the the leaving women out, and particularly again, women's leadership. I remember seeing a study a few years ago that showed, you know, kind of entry level women, and as they as they progressed up the 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 the, the, the you know promotion chain, whatever as they progressed, mm-hmm. there came a point where they just started to leave, and they were leaving at like it was like you know VP. Um, mm-hmm director level yeah. when, and so that meant that, you know, those that stuck around, you know, to be like one or two that would then go to the next level and then, and then the next level into the CEO suites or, or similar, but that it's so important to, for any company that wants to leave, leave a legacy and wants to have um, profitability, as we know, the other part of this is, is that women in leadership roles, sorry, companies that have women in leadership roles are 30 to 40% more profitable, sustainable than women and then companies that do not. And I think that is a huge, powerful statistic that ought to be on everybody's t-shirt that, you know, <laughs> having, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's a I lot. Wear one. You, exactly. <laughs> same here. And it's a lot because of what you shared is that there's, there's the pulling people in and together, identifying people's greatest strengths in order to continue to kind of, you know, move, move the entire vision mission, um, of an organization forward. So I, I would, I hope that this conversation uh, continues yes. and spreads. Um, so, so, you know, you talk about this masculine form of leadership and we know that there are also some women leaders, particularly those women who were the trailblazers and the pioneers through the seventies and eighties in particular, who embody that masculine energy so much so that 
it leaves them at odds now with women who have evolved in the workplace or have developed in the workplace in a bit in a bit different way. So I know you talk about, I'd love for you to talk about being a lifestylist and kind of what does that mm-hmm. look like, as well as being a coach and to women who are in high achievers. How do you help people, again, particularly women, how do you help women who who kind of absorbed that masculine form? They put it on like armor and then, you know, clanked into the world to do their work. Like, how do you help them reconnect with mm-hmm. the feminine leadership that they that is their natural right, that is their natural orientation? Yes, I I love that. As a lifestylist, I am a I am a coach and I'm a personal stylist. I've combined the two and I actually came to the personal styling through the coaching as I coached individuals into reconnecting with their authentic style, uh communication style, leadership style. It, it translated into the physical style. My clients would say, you know, my external world doesn't match me. Like they realize right. that they've been essentially playing dress up, right. you know, and yet, and, and yet we do that in our behavior. We play dress up in adapting communication and adapting uh, different strategies that may not be aligned with who they are. And so for me, I say, you've got to style your life from the inside out, right? Mm-hmm. We start with the externals, we go with the externals. And that's one of the things that a lot of leaders are um, afraid of letting go of the image, right? Like what will my people right. think of me? What will right. other people, how will other people respond? Right. right. And that is very survival based thinking. Sure. Um, but like any company, if you think about the foundation of a successful company, it starts at the core foundation. If you don't have a core foundation of, uh, you know, knowing your core values, having a mission statement, um, knowing the purpose of your company, knowing who you serve, you know, and, and how you're going to serve them, your company, I mean, you know, you may have some successes or whatever, but the long-term longevity won't be there. So I start at that same foundation. I start with core values. And especially when we talk about burned out leaders, (laughs) which we'll talk Um, about soon. (laughs) Yes. You know, if, if you're in a job that is not serving you and that's not aligned and it's burning you out, usually it's because you're not aligned with one of your core values. Um, you know, that, that there is, uh, that you're trying to adapt a model that doesn't really resonate with who you are. It's not aligned with, um, you know, your strengths and weaknesses. We all have strengths and, and weaknesses. Sure. Sometimes mm-hmm. we try to ignore them. Right. Right. Um, right. but you know, we, we don't look at how we are best served in a position or, in our company because of that whole principle of we've got to do it alone. If you've got to be it all, do it all, you can't admit that you need a team. You can't admit that you have a weakness, right? But as soon as you recognize I'm burning myself out because I'm doing something that is not my strength. And instead of letting someone who's already been hired to do it or hiring someone, more people, you know, to fill that gap, right? We try to do everything on our own and go that way. So it's starting with the same foundation that you would use to build a successful business, but it's to build a successful life and go from the inside out. And usually that does end up translating into, uh, you know, the fashion style that I help individuals use clothing to empower themselves 
to remind themselves of who they are going into a situation to bring intention. And I, and I love that. And thank you for, for expanding on that, because I think it's a lot like what you were saying in, earlier around the environment, the, the, the physical environment of a company. If it's, you know, if it's all, you know, cubes and those cubicles are dark or mm-hmm. if my favorite is you walk into, you know, some old, uh, some old sort of speakeasy clubs, if you will, <laughs> you know, and it's dark walnut mm-hmm. and it's heavy brass and it's, that 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 is a whole different energy versus you walking into some place that it's light and there's flowers and there's you know there's there's just a sense of elevation in terms of the energy and it and it and it is more expressive and to your point we we're all projecting we've been trained taught and even told that success lies in what we look on the outside first right and i think that in in a work environment, there are some work in long, long, long time ago, I worked in (laughs) Arthur Anderson for a while and every partner at Arthur Anderson, this is before it became Accenture, obviously, um, all the partners had to wear male and female, a dark Navy blue suit. The women's skirt could only wear skirts and those skirts had to be um, two inches below the knee. And I was like, oh, this reminds me of the Marine Corps, um, but it was two, <laughs> two inches below the knee and white shirt. And so everybody looked literally the same. I mean, and I thought, I remember that we had a female partner and I used to look at her and I'm, and I'm newly, I'm fairly newly out of the Corps. And so, you know, these things were still conditioned in me, but years later, I would always wonder like, who are you really? Mm-hmm. Like, who is she? Because she just blended in. It was like, we were all um, cupid dolls is what comes in, but it's like, they're uh-huh. these same dolls. We're all the same. And in fact, that's not, that's not true. And I think for men and for women, um, this, I love the idea of, of it, you, there's the inner work we all have to do, right. To, yeah. to figure out and to, to reset our, to reset or discover our values, but the, also the outer work, which is what are we putting on our bodies and how does that, yeah. how does it, enhance or detract from our, from our leadership. So things really been really powerful. So we talk about, um, we talk about masculine leadership and I know my experience of it was see the hill, take the hill, no matter what you don't, you don't (laughs) give up. You don't back down. You you're sick, go to work. You're exhausted or you have a team going up, be available 24 hours. Like, so those are some of the glorifications that I, Mm -hmm. that that we, that we do. And so you, um, I mean, I found this quote of yours it was a statement, but it really resonated for me. Um, so probably like me, you were in this kind of masculine environment, mm-hmm. you know, the, the push hard and to, to be everything and to, you know, keep, mm-hmm. keep ramming it in, ramming it ahead. And so the, the, the sentence that I'd like you to, 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 to build off of, to share where you, where, what happened is in my darkest night that really resonated for me. I I heard you and something that I was looking at and it was in my darkest night. Tell us the story of in your darkest night. What did that look like? And what, what did you realize about yourself? Yes. Uh, I served in leadership for a long time and loved it. Uh, I, I actually have a lot of masculine energy, you know, the athlete and the military brat and everything. And I, I really resonated with that and had the, you know, push through, do it all, uh, perspective that you had. And because of that, 
uh, I had gotten out of touch with my intuition um, and uh, ignored my inner voice. And so there were a couple of different patterns that were lining up, but I felt myself getting drained. I felt myself getting tired, but the athlete, you know, the push through the Marine and you, right. right? right. Where it's like, Keep okay, pushing. push through. Yeah. Or like work harder, work through it, you know, yeah. suck it up if you're sick, all those things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my body, I was having some physical symptoms, but oh, I'll get past that. Things were coming up in my marriage, but I'm like, oh, everybody has a hard time. We'll just push through, get past that with work. I'd kind of hit a plateau. You know, I'd gotten to a point where I'd climbed the ladders and and you get to a point in your life and in your career where there's not really more ladders to climb and it's great and you love your job, but there's not a lot of growth. And but but I love my job, nothing was wrong until uh two months after I had my son. I was on the phone with a friend and it was like a neurological bomb went off. The right side of my body went numb. I thought I was having a stroke, went to the hospital. They said, nothing was wrong. Your symptoms will go away. Well, they didn't go away. And uh, my symptoms progressed. It got to the point where I had a bed in my living room and I was watching other people take care of my kids while I was getting rides to doctor's appointments. Um, The stress of all that didn't ruin my marriage, but when stress happens, you can't ignore things anymore. Right. Um, and so within a period of a year, I lost my health and my marriage and my job all at the same time. And so, you know, in, in a short right. amount of right. time. And so all of that doing, all of that busy was stripped away because I literally couldn't do anything um, and had to completely redefine and reconnect with who I was. And that's how I learned this you know, move from the inside out. And I also learned to get really clear on listening to my body. For one, I've been ignoring it. And that's why it blew up. My body was telling me, you cannot handle this level of stress. You talk about illness, right? Like celebrating illness is ignoring intuition. Um, you know, and, and what your body and your environment is telling you, this isn't serving you. This is not aligned for you. Um, and I almost, you know, I say I almost did myself to death. Right. I didn't know if I was going to live or die at one point. Um, fortunately, my symptoms have now improved. I'm actually a literal walking miracle. As of February, one of my specialists confirmed, according to science, I should probably be in a wheelchair. Um, but, you know, I, th- and there's a combination of reasons why I think that that's happened, but a lot of it has become being very insistent on being authentic. Um, life is too short not to be. And I see too many people burning themselves out and losing their lives or, or missing their lives um, in trying to live up to other people's expectations, other people's standards, as, as we've been talking about, you know, trying to fit into models that either don't work for us or don't serve us, you know, and when you were talking about the cogs in the wheel and the cupid dolls, mm-hmm. right, when you think about how much is missed from the diversity from, you know, I, I really truly believe human beings are the world's greatest natural resource, you know, and if we are trying to create cogs in a wheel and try to create an assembly line out of people, we are missing leaders are missing the greatest natural resource that they have available to the success of their company. If they are limiting the, you know, creativity and growth and Mm -hmm. voice of the human beings 
in their company. And, and as individuals, we have the responsibility of knowing ourselves and honoring ourselves um, in recognizing I will be of greatest service, not in giving myself to death but in giving the best of who I am. And I can't do that if I'm burning myself out doing yeah, things that are not aligned. I appreciate you sharing um, your story. And I know that it it is it has many, many more textures to it than what you've shared here. So a couple of threads from it I'd like to pull. One is how was, was it this, this idea of success, like what is what do you, what do you need to look like to be successful? Was that a driving force? And then, and then today, and something else you also mentioned is um, disconnecting from your intuition. That is, it is intuition is uniquely human, but it is uniquely powerful for women. It it men yes. men men tend to have to develop. Because men are not encouraged, male males, boys and men are not encouraged to develop their intuitive gifts. They all have them. We all have them, but yes. that is not what, something that men are encouraged to, to develop. So, so that that hard push, and you know, the work you do now is is coaching and working with higher high achievers, and in particular, I think high achieving women. How do you? How have you taken your own your own process to to start to reclaim you to reclaim your you say your authentic self, but to reclaim the soul of you? Like, how did you? What did you have to do specifically? I mean, everything implodes. That's usually a great <laughs> starting point and a necessary a one. But motivator, yeah that's, yeah, that's a good that's a good starting point. I've had that happen. I got an ambulance right out of that. Right. So. So how did you like start to rebuild and 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 reconcile all all of this for yourself? Yes, I I actually took my process. My process is what became my signature core program. My personal development program is called Unlock Your It Factor. Right? And that's what a lot of people are looking for. They want their spark, they want their zhuzh yeah. back, right? right, they, right their right. energy. Um and it's also an acronym cuz it for me stands for your internal truth. Like your it factor Mm -hmm. is being in tune with the Mm -hmm. core of who you are. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I'm a a busy, I've been a busy professional. I'm a busy woman. And a lot of people, uh, you know, struggle to connect with themselves because I don't have time. Women, especially, right. We put everything else on the list and it's like, we'll get to that. Right. And we never do. (laughs) Right. Never. (laughs) Right. And so my program, I designed it to be simple and practical. It's simple soul work for people on the go five minutes a day five days a week, right? Where it's very short. Um, And what I found is the reason that that works is because when you bring something to your consciousness, you can't unsee it. It's like when you want to buy a car and all of a sudden you see Tesla's everywhere. You see, you know, whatever your dream car is, you know, (laughs) but but you see it everywhere. If you're buying a house, all of a sudden you see for sale signs everywhere. When you bring Mm -hmm. something to your consciousness, you don't have to work as hard at it. Yeah. So that was something yeah. that resonated with me and busy women. Yeah. Um, but it's also understanding just the basic structure of your soul system. Like we know we've got a body system with eyes and heart and organs, right? Mm-hmm. If something's wrong with one part of your system, 
you know, you don't go to your cardiologist if you've got an eye issue right, or, right, I mean, right. or if you do, you're barking up the wrong right, tree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And so it's that same a... process. And what I taught for years, for 16 years, I was a religious educator. I loved religion and spirituality. Mm-hmm. That's one mm-hmm. of my gifts is making these seemingly complex or, you know, convoluted um, subjects, concrete and tangible. And so, so that's actually what I did was getting in touch, getting in touch with my inner guidance. Really, I found it's a three-part system of information, intuition, and inspiration. It seems mm-hmm. that we sometimes talk about as being synonymous. They're not, it's, it's, it's like a GPS. That's what I say. You know, the information or like the maps you put in, um, your intuition is, you know, inspiration is like when there's a, a you know, like, oh, course correction mm-hmm. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. this way. And then your intuition is that navigational guidance. Right. And sometimes we yeah. turn off the guidance and we're like, oh, we'll get there without listening yeah. to it. Yeah. Right. And put um, a blindfold on. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so it, it really is simple and practical. Um, you know, that that's the that's the framework that I use, but it's really helping people get in touch with um, you know, I think core values are your north guiding star. Your inner guidance is the most accurate source of information that you have. Mm-hmm. And often we surrender that to other people because we've been taught throughout our lives, either as children or in our careers, or some point we were taught, you've got to give that authority to someone else right. to survive. Right? right. And as adults, you know, we're allowed to pull up our big girl britches, <laughs> yeah. you know, and make decisions for ourselves. Right. And then looking at our intention, um, looking at our intention and motivation and what it is that we want. And when I get to that piece, I find that with a lot of women, they've never looked at their own intentions and motivations because they've been trying to please someone else, Somebody their spouse, else. their mm-hmm. parent, their boss, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when I get to that piece, sometimes it's one of the biggest ahas of I've never even asked myself what I want. Um, And so one of the questions that you asked also was about success. I used to look for achievement. You know, when I get this achievement, when I get to this place, when I reach this Uh destination, I will know that I've obtained success. And I found it's less about achieving and more about feeling successful. Mm -hmm. When you are aligned with your core values and you know your intention and you know who you are, it's, I I call it shame spray. It's like, it really is um, like noise canceling earphones to the voice of other people's thoughts and opinions and, you know, all the things that we can let bother us. But when you know who you are, one, you've got self-esteem because you know, you know, you're aligned with your truth and that feels good. And that feels confident when you know you can trust your intuition, and it takes practice, right? Yeah, I was it's gonna. Yeah, skill. that's what I was gonna say. I know it I, takes can, I can hear people right now going, "But Jenny and Kimberly, like I, you know, yeah. I don't trust the women around me. Jenny, Kimberly, like, how am I supposed to do that? I'm in this job, and I'm I'm a single mother, and I have to support my children. Or Jenny, Kimberly, how <laughs> to? This doesn't make any sense. Like, how am I supposed to go be my authentic self? And my boss mm-hmm. is a real you know, uh, plug in those. the word there. Yeah, one of those. Plug in, Any, plug in the plug in word in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but I think that's another right. part of this though, right? Yes. And I think this is something that keeps women really hamstrung in my opinion. I mean, yes, it is important for women to invest in themselves, 
mm-hmm. with coaching. And, I, and I'm saying this yes. not as a shameless plug for you, I've but heard it you is, say that before. It now. is really, really, that. really, really important. We cannot wait on our, our, our companies to invest in us. We have to invest in ourselves. If we're interested in growing and developing, we have to take the money that we'd use at Starbucks or on a new pair of shoes <laughs> and invest it in our, in our own becoming. But I think the, the, not, but, and I think one of the challenges is everything you're saying makes perfect sense to me because I had a crash and burn, massive, mm-hmm. colossal, everything. And actually cost me just about everything that you, it, it actually cost me everything that you talked about as well. Yeah. Which, so, and I know there are people right now who are going to be listening to this who say, but it is not possible for me. Or women, I'm a woman, I'm a women, woman leadership, but I can't trust these other women who are around me because they're going to fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. So how do you, how do you, how do you support that conversation? And this is really the woman to woman conversation yes, because we also much. are the ones that need to stop enforcing these paradigms of you, you, you know, you look good enough or you're, you're good enough for this or not good enough for that. Like, so how do you, what's the conversation that you would have with a woman who's like, yeah, no, this isn't going to work for me and the women that I work with. Like, how would you, how would <laughs> right. you help? Them? Well, yeah, I would say three things for, for the single mom who says she can't do it. I will say, you know, you want to talk hot mess, chronically mm-hmm. ill, mm-hmm. single divorced mom with three kids with no job. Right. Mm-hmm. And people were telling me, you cannot divorce your, your husband. Um, you know, you need insurance. You need all these, like I had a bed yes. in my living room. Um, and it, I, I knew if I stayed in that relationship and it, it was toxic for both of us, I'm not throwing him under the bus, mm-hmm. but I knew mm-hmm. if I stayed in that relationship, I'd be dead. Um, not because he'd kill me, but because right, the right. Stress of living of in yeah. that environment would kill me. Um, and I knew I needed to do that. So in the face of, you know, parents, church leaders, work people, you know, like everybody, community, friends, everybody was saying, you can't do this. You can't do this. You need help. And I knew in my gut that that was the moment when I, you know, put the stake in the ground and learned, no, I need to listen to my gut more than anything else. And navigating chronic illness and having doctors who didn't understand um, my condition, I have like nine rare chronic conditions that yeah. a lot of people don't even understand. And so doctors were saying, oh, it's all in your head, or they were throwing meds at me. And there were times when I just did not feel good about taking them, but I was trusting the doctor, right? Right. Um, right. I've learned if my gut says no, no, it's right. And uh, the the risks of not listening to that will do more damage to me. So that combination is what taught me to listen to my own voice. But I will say for women who who say, oh, I can't trust myself or like, mm-hmm. you, um, I, I will say usually the experience that they've had isn't um, evidence that they can't trust their inner voice. If you look back at the experiences where you feel like you listened to yourself and something blew up in your face, actually, if you go back and look at the experience, you realize you weren't listening. You know, it's it, it, the That's the powerful. lack of trust that we have in ourselves isn't That's that powerful. we di- isn't that we can't trust our intuition. It's that we have not listened to it, and that's what's blown up in our face. And as women realize that, it's that's a big aha. 
That's powerful. Maybe I'll try something different, but, and and I would encourage anyone, if you're sitting here listening to it, step yourself back to that experience and really check in. Was I listening to my intuition or was I acting out of fear? Or was I trusting my mom's voice in the back of my head? Or was I trusting the bully from junior high and their voice in the back or the drill sergeant, you know, whoever's voice is in there. Right. Right. Um, So I'll say that. um, I will say as far as, you know, can you do Mm. this? I will say absolutely. Yes. From my darkest night. Yes, you can. And I have seen it happen and small, simple changes. It does. It's, it's one of the driving passions, right? It's working with busy people. It's why the five minutes a day, five days a week, I tell people, you know, overachievers like to overdo it. And in the very first intro in my course, I say, really set a timer and hold yourself to it because the power of seeing what just five minutes a day can do just simple awareness and mm-hmm. making that simple change. If you don't have five minutes a day, you are over scheduled. You're really over scheduled. Yeah. You know, I mean, like if you yeah. can't listen to it in the shower or yeah. while making breakfast or something, then you got bigger issues than yeah. that. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I will say when you talk, and I have found that this is actually a common thing. I had this conversation yesterday. Um, I have a friend whose daughter is in a C-suite job and it, it's all the things, you know, once you climb the ladder, it's, well, now I need to maintain when, you, when you've got right. dominance, you are constantly fighting for dominance, right? That That's a hamster wheel. You don't get yeah. off of. And yeah. I will say, especially to women, I will say, ladies, let's look at what the culture has done for us. We started this podcast by saying the natural instinct, the natural mm-hmm. environment for women mm-hmm. is to work together. That is natural, natural. right? I mean, we pick yes. that up as young yes. girls going to the bathroom yes. together, yes. right? That is what is natural. Now, who would teach us to compete? And and what do women compete over? Generally, it starts in junior high competing over men's attention, yep. right? Um, and that who, who would want us to be competitive or who would train us to be competitive? It's it's that masculine mindset. And in and I think a lot of it is subconscious, right? But like subconsciously, when men get us in a competitive sphere, it minimizes the power of women because our strength Correct. is in leading in a pride. Correct. That is our strength. And it that's, is to build together. So I would I'd like, that's just where I'm like, we have got to dismantle yeah. that and break that down as so, strong modern women. That is super powerful. And it's something that I have said a lot is that if women would start to really harness our power, um, this world would be a better place. And this is not to throw men under the bus, but this form of leadership is literally destroying the planet, like literally destroying the planet. And women and actually women's leadership is the 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 sustaining things for the long term. That's how we think, right? Mm-hmm. W- whether we have you know more masculine energy flowing through us, ultimately, mm-hmm. we look at sustaining and creating things for a future generation. That is not about our name on a building legacy necessarily. It is about which I think is more masculine focused. It is about how does this entire town survive moving thrive moving forward. Right. So it, so I love, I love, love, yes. love what you've said. Um, I think Kimberly, we could talk all day for sure about this. We have a lot in common. Yes, so, we and I, do, common. I just, I love your podcast and just Thank you. encourage everyone to subscribe, you. share to a friend. 
Thank all you. the things because it's a message and a, a conversation that we need to have as Thank you. women, as leaders, you know, as communities. Awesome. So as we get close to closing out today, um, tell me or tell, you know, folks who are listening, who, who, who should call you up and say, Kimberly, I'd love to work with you. Who's, who are the folks that you would love to have call you up and say, Kimberly, I really, I see my life and I'd really love to work with you. Uh, yes, I, both individually and collectively, right? I can come in and speak to groups and organizations. Okay. And so, you know, if there, I, I, I'm a, I'm a speaker. I can do workshops um, and things like that. And so, if there are uh, organizations that want to work on their culture together and get ideas of how they can incorporate this and and implement it in the work environment, um, my my speaker site and my personal coaching is combined on the same website. It's emergencelifecoaching.com. And uh, especially for women, if there are women who need support, and like you said, you know, with coaching, it is it is different than therapy. Right? Right. It's, it's not, very different. It's not yeah, the trauma, but it is about right. um, having support. And sometimes people feel more comfortable reaching out to a coach than even to a friend or, you know, they need um, mm-hmm. a little bit more guidance that way. But if my story resonates with you and the things that we've talked about resonate, um, if you want to get in touch with me again, my website, emergencelifecoaching.com. Um, and we can see if we're a good fit and have an exploratory call. Awesomeness. Well, and all of, all of Kimberly's information uh, will be in our show notes so that you can make those connections. Um I'm really grateful for your time and I'm grateful also for this conversation. Uh, I think that it's, you know, these conversations are also conversations of courage that um, start taking momentum. The more people that can hear them and even, you know, start sharing their own experiences. So Kimberly, thank you so much for your energy, your time, your vision, your story, your storytelling. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that you're here. And that you're able to, you know, in this this chapter, um, be able to shed more light on, you know, how how women and women need to start to activate the 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 natural leadership that we that we have, so that we really can not only create great work environments, but to have thriving companies, to have teams that are happy and engaged, and ultimately, you know, have great communities, towns and really the world. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for your, your energy and time today. Thank you. Hey, it's Jenny. Thank you so much for joining me in this week's episode of The Room, a safe place where leaders come together to talk about the things that we don't often share out loud. If you enjoyed your time in The Room, please like or subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a review. And if you want to learn more about our important work with leaders, head over to the website, leaderstransform.com and continue to be connected to our community. Thank you again for listening and make sure you invite someone to next week's episode of The Room.